If ever you go to Dublin town in a hundred years or so, inquire for me in Baggett Street and what I was like to know. He was a queer one, full of little Ido. He was a queer one, and I'll tell you. Hello and welcome to If Ever You Go, a Northside Dublin Perspective. My name is Pat Lynch and I hope you will join me as we journey through the Dublin One City One Book selection for 2014 entitled If Ever You Go, a map of Dublin in poetry and song. Coming up in this programme, we talk to Daedalus Press book editor Pat Boren, director of Dublin One City One Book Jane Alger and director of Poetry Ireland Maureen Kennelly. Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to this uh, series. I know we started out way back at the beginning, almost 10 programmes ago. As an introduction to the book, we were talking about this series has a, a Northside perspective on the, um, the If Ever You Go, a map of Dublin in poetry and song book. I know at the time we asked Pat and Jane and the welcome Maureen, we asked you at the time just how it, it came about. Maybe if we just take a little bit further now and just talk about the year you've had with this book, maybe the, the journey since the initial publication, if you want to start with yourself, Pat, I suppose the reaction to the book, really. Well, um, yeah, the, I suppose in a way, the journey with any book um, or in, in, in putting a book like this together, uh, there are two journeys. There's one in the, the one to, to, to make it into a book and uh, the surprises and the uh, the obstacles and the distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually there's a silence, a long silence particularly for poetry. And that's not to say that, that poetry doesn't have a power or effect in the world. It's just that it is, a, as, as Miroslav Holub, the, the Czech poet, once said, it's a slow fuse. Mm-hmm. And and if you're involved in the poetry world, you expect that, and that's fine. Uh, or you learn to live with it, or you learn to suffer it. Um, but th- the sense of this being a, a journey after publication was entirely different than any other kind of poetry book I've been involved in. And uh, it's the kind of thing that could turn a boy's head, <laughs> you know, uh, it could spoil one because um, really because of the um, the activities of not the publisher, not ourselves, but of the uh, the libraries behind this, the energy of one city, one book as in a sense as an institution. But that tends to be used as a, as a negative word in this city and in this country, but as something that has established itself and has earned the respect and trust of readers and has, uh, in a sense, kind of motivated readers to become participants in the, the, the recreation and the recreation of, of literature. Mm-hmm. Um, so when this book was published, instead of sitting on shelves and, and quietly then leaving the shelves, it suddenly started to, to take on that sense of a journey um, in a whole lot of unexpected and and really quite quite uh, wonderful ways, there were there were tours of the city, there were bike tours, there were there was a barge on the Liffey, there were train journeys, there were there were there were people carrying the book, disporting themselves and, uh, and the book around the city in a way that you don't really expect uh, to to happen, and and in fact it made the book a, a it made it a more how would you say a more uh, clearly a more active thing, but it also, in a sense, kind of stitched the book back into the city that had inspired it. Because if you think that the book is made up of poems and songs and verses and 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 and, and all of those things that form kind of metrical 
patterns, but coming from individual sites of uh, of of ambush or disappointment or love or experience of some kind around the city, but by their nature, made by individuals who sometimes are aware of other poems made nearby, Mm -hmm. but in general they were made by relatively isolated voices you might say. And then suddenly these poems were being brought back to the places they had been made or they were being put in uh, in juxtaposition, in communication with other poems and songs, by the nature of having to fit inside these two covers, so so that, so you know it's more than a single journey, and that has been the really interesting thing about it. Um, at one stage, people were tweeting photographs of people walking around the city, Dubliners and tourists, and who knows who they were just carrying this book and using it like a guidebook. Yeah. So it was a kind of a tourist guide, in a sense, both to the to the local and the visitor. Um, that's a thing that doesn't very often happen with anthologies. It was a book that was out on the street. Mm. And as I said, because of the uh, activities and the agencies of Dublin City Libraries and One City, One Book, um, it was it was a very visible appearance mm-hmm. uh, and and the other really interesting thing about this book I think too in the sense of journey and I won't go on about it too much um, is that there's a good percentage of the poems in this book that are relatively new you know it's not an historical anthology it's not Palgrave's golden treasury that everything is neatly finished and on the shelves um, in, in making the book we gathered a lot far more than we had originally intended of recent material so there was that sense, too, that some of these poems were individually only early in their journeys. There mm. weren't things that we all knew well and by heart. So, so there was a real sense that this was an event. Yeah. And the, the, the month of One City, One Book was, was really very exciting. And it has been, you know, it's, it's of course, slowed down in the meantime. And, uh, and Jane and her colleagues have moved on to the next project. But an anthology like this has a, has also that second life, that longer life, you know, yeah, the longer tail. Yeah. It's so, it, so it's not over yet. It's no, just, just it's no. limping now where it was running <laughs> earlier, you know. J- Jane, just to bring your own involvement in this, you have been involved, obviously, in the One City, One Book project now for a number of years. It's been mainly novels, both historical and current novels up to now. So this must have felt like something quite different to work on, did it? Well, that was the main attraction. Yeah. Uh, when Pat and Jerry Smith, his co-editor, and Joel Woods, who was then the director of Poetry Ireland, when they came to us and suggested this, um, once we realised what they were talking about, we we wanted to do it. It was something different, it was something really attractive. And we knew that we were what we were going to get was a quality product. They were doing the book anyway. Mm. And the fact that it was going, it was so rooted in the city and lent itself so hugely to imaginative uh, activities. That was a huge attraction for us. But I just want to go back to something that Pat said. He said that it's slowing down now and maybe it's coming towards an end. It's not, because uh, now it's one of Dublin City Council's official gifts to visitors. Wow, yeah. And it's something we're really proud of. We can, you know, people come over, all sorts of foreign dignitaries come and they might get a pen or they might get something else like that. I mean, one pen is the same as the next. <laughs> this is uniquely from our city. And even for people whose English might be slightly limited, they can still read and understand a lot of it. They get a flavour. Or the very fact that a book like this was produced about the city and that was so popular with everybody 
It was in the top 10 bestsellers mm. list for weeks. Mm. It was the most borrowed book in Dublin City Libraries in April and May. One of the most borrowed books in libraries all over the country. There's not many books that can say that, no. poetry or otherwise. And it's tribute to the, the contents and the way Pat and Jerry put it together. But we set out originally to uh, attract people who would not normally be interested in poetry, people who would feel that poetry wasn't for them. I'd like to think we succeeded. I'm never 100% sure whether we did. But we wanted, I mean, Irish Rail came on board, if you pardon the pun, and we had a train. We had uh, posters at dart stations and mainline stations. Pat's, one of Pat's own poems, I think, was at Sutton mm. Dart Station. And we had poems on the trains. I know it's been done before, but to see the poems at the dart stations that related to that place. Mm. I mean, for example, in Houston Station, there's a very large poster there with a poem on it by Eileen Casey. Casey, She worked in Irish Ray and she wrote a poem about Houston Station. And that poster was there in Houston Station. So that's very powerful. But also, we had fun with it. The people who came to the events had fun. And... They also realise that poetry can mean something to people, can touch people in a way that novels can't. And poetry can say something to people in a way that novels, well, they might after 300 pages, (laughs) but poetry can encapsulate it in just a few lines. And I think a lot of people have started to appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. Um, Maureen, to bring yourself into this and indeed your role in Poetry Ireland, how important was this book to the work you do? Well, it was hugely important. And as Jane mentioned, Joe Woods, who was my predecessor, and it was a, a lovely gift for me to inherit from Joe to uh, I started my job, I think, in October and knew that this was imminent the, the following April. So it was a real um, bonus to have such a rich programme that, that really kind of fell into our laps. And uh, I've had the, the great good fortune to work with Jane previously on one city, one books, in fact. But uh, this was really special that the fact that she had nominated poetry to, to be the, um, the focus of attention in April. So I suppose it was just that sense of the city being animated through this incredible anthology that was just really exciting so that you you felt I, I learned an awful lot. I felt that the city was revealing itself to me and, and all the other readers and listeners through this incredible collection of poems. So to, I think you could be credited with the, the start of the resurgence of poetry really in, in recent times. So. Uh, absolutely. I was going to say that as well and to go back to something that Jane said I nearly felt guilty when you said it there because I said I probably would be having done the book show in the year for years a big fan of novels and I always felt oh poetry I maybe don't have the, the understanding of it or the, 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 whatever the brains for it even and so certainly I would hope that maybe my experience was typical of a lot of people with the book that I came into it and I was opening the door to a whole new world that was very accessible in a way that I thought it may not have been but also that wasn't just about the old Ireland it was the contemporary we had mm. Mm. Throughout the series, we had some great guests in, established poets. We celebrated deceased poets, but a lot of younger poets as well. Um, Colm Keegan particularly stands out, Jessica Trainer, people like that. And you felt within this book, you have Dublin, as I love and treasure it at the moment, the old, the new, the traditional. So it was quite an exciting programme, our series to work on from that point of view as well. So. Yeah, there's always the temptation to believe or to allow it to go unchecked, that poetry is something that happened in the in the glorious past and it was made by a certain class who had uh, more privilege than duty, you know, um, available to them or, 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 or incumbent on them. But the truth is that, um, with some exceptions, uh, 
clearly with some exceptions, that there are many people who make poems and make very good poems and publish poems and have reputations of publishing poems who do other things as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, and even those people who are fully engaged are often engaged in, in the teaching of poetry or the passion of poetry or the study of it, etc. So we, we sometimes have this idea that there's maybe because it was unchecked for a lot of us in our school years when when in the you know the the, the classic complaint is that the the soundings anthology presented all poets except Thomas Kinsella as dead and all poets except Emily Dickinson as male, mm-hmm. um, but it is true that that leaves that suspicion in your head that poetry is something elsewhere and far away and that doesn't connect to me, and uh, the real excitement I think again about this book as somebody you know stepping back and looking at it now from a distance is the 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 act of faith that was put in it that that um, as was what we have in common around this table and the very many people who contributed to this book that are not around the table and who you know gave us a poem or gave us a leg up at some stage was was the, the very widespread conviction, not just a belief, that poetry actually has a potentially not enormous readership. It's not the Daily Mail or God forbid or a tabloid, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it has a much bigger readership than we imagine and, and far more people come into contact with it on a daily basis than maybe recognise it, whether it comes in the form of the lyrics of a traditional song or something by Damien Dempsey or something that they, they, they overhear in the radio that, you don't, you know, one doesn't have to be part of a dedicated audience to be part of the audience of poetry. And that belief, I think, is shared by everyone here. And that's why the book Worked. Yeah. Um, it was, a, a, you know, it was a, a net thrown out. It could have been a different net or a bigger net. Um, it might have been different at a different time. There are accidents of of presence and accidents of omission. But actually, what what it made everybody see was that you could use the word poetry on the cover of a book. Mm. And it wouldn't frighten people away. Yeah, yeah. And that's 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 a big uh, <coughs> that's a big kind of step forward in not just the maturity of the city, but the maturity of the country Absolutely. in a way. And the perception of poetry. And it was interesting what you said there because I do think maybe a lot of people <coughs> left it in school at soundings, yeah. and that's their memory of poetry for a lot of people. Unfortunately, maybe not everyone, but for a lot of people, I think you know that that yeah. would be. So certainly, this, as I say, does feel like a door into another world. And from checking out poetry a lot more since I've been going on your websites and seeing that a lot of people featured here are very active poets they have collections out and there's a lot happening um, I, th- I think people also realise you have to approach poetry a book of poetry in a different way you don't sit down and read it from cover to cover yeah. it's there you dip into it when you feel like it and in the case of this particular book you dip into it and you see something familiar yeah. it's a part of the city it's the spire it's host it's the coast it's you know somewhere around the corner from you and that, in it, when people realised that, that in itself was a major attraction, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah. And certainly, what if, if this was an introduction of sorts to poetry for me in the last couple of years, it seems like a great time to be coming into it because in the last few weeks there's been two great programmes mm. on RTE. Mm, that's right. And one thing that struck me, and indeed what struck me throughout the series as well that we, we, we just finished is um, when we heard the Vox Pops from St. David's National Boys' School talking about poets that they liked, their poems that they knew, also reading their own poetry, I was amazed. And that came across in the two programmes, the amount of uh, 
young interest in poetry as mm. well. Very active. Yeah. In fact, uh, Tony Curtis, who's one of our writers in schools, who's in the book as well, of course, he works works with us in St. David's and uh, that Fox Pop was phenomenal uh, from the school because it's such a, a, a wonderful articulation about poetry from these like nine, ten year old boys. You know, yeah. It's really encouraging. But as you say, it, it was so heartening to see a poetry book in the bestseller list because un- unfortunately it's a rare enough occurrence, you know, but yeah. uh, it's, it remained there for many, many weeks. It's a very yeah. exciting time. In fact, somebody said to me the other day, and I don't know if it's true or not, but that there appeared to them to be a resurgence in poetry. I can't say whether it has anything to do with this, but Falter Ireland have produced a film encouraging people to come to Dublin. And the theme of the film is um, Louis MacNeese's poem, Dublin. Mm -hmm. And it's spoken by a poet, Stephen James Smith, as um, the, the camera pans around relevant places in the city, places that are relevant to the poem. Mm. But the poem by Louis MacNeese is the theme of mm. this film that is aimed at encouraging people to come to Dublin. Yeah, absolutely. And that's p- maybe something that wouldn't have been seen some years ago. Yeah. It, it obviously, it started, entered some, the idea entered somebody's head. What put it there? I don't know, but it's it's a very powerful film, and the city mm. looks wonderful, and and it's city it's the poem sounds wonderful mm. as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That poem, in fact, is one of the ten uh, that the public That's are currently voting mm. for now for the. Yeah. yeah, I said that must be some list. That must be hard mm. to put all that yeah, together. There's so absolutely. many to pick from. Yeah, lots of hard decisions. Even after reading the book, I kept saying, "Why isn't that in there? That should be in the list. That should be in the list." <laughs> yeah, there's a few in there. Making love outside Oris and Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing as well. I mean, any the, the making of any anthology like that, what would prevent you? And really, the only excuse for not making one is that sense of having to look over your shoulder because you're always going to miss things. But as I, I think we were talking on this yeah. program at the beginning of this series, I was saying exactly that to you. An anthology like this is, in a sense, it's a provocation. If there's not a poem about your area or there's not the poem you think should be here, except we'll get up off your bum and yeah. go for it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. In the same way that every 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 band that brings out a good album is provoking a whole load of young fellas and young ones in their garages or now in their bedrooms on their laptops to make more, yeah. you know, and and that kind of sense that there's a baton in, in a way being handed on. That's as true in the literary world as it is in, in uh, any other creative world. But again, we've, we've ignored that fact. We've ignored the fact that somebody like a poet like Tony Curtis can go into a school and by his presence and by a kind of an osmosis can, uh, can al- allow or enable another generation to start mucking around and make things and whether they're doing it on paper or in a beatbox is irrelevant. Mm. Um, but, you know, again, the reason that we don't see that is that we, we've a lot of us have grown up with this idea that there's a certain kind of person who makes poems. It's just not true. No, no. But I think at this stage we know that we know it not to be true. Yeah, you know? no, and it's coming across a lot all the more because I think one of those moments for me was having Colm Keegan in and the way he wrote that poem about Ballymun. Mm. You know, our, our fingers where he grew up. And I was just amazed by the, the lack of rose tintedness in it. But, you know, you would expect most people to have some level of affection for where they came from. Yeah. But he was saying, no, it's uncompromised and this is how we felt about the place and I have a right to say it and I'm going to say it. And uh, that was, that to me nearly brought it somewhere else. And, and that came across in some of the RT programmes we've been discussing as well, whereby poetry, it's, it's like it's evolving in its own way. It, it, there's a street element coming into it. it it's like it was, street fairs. Maybe the, it was always like yeah, that. Yeah, the truth mm. is it was always there in a way. I mean, if you go back, if you look at the, the words of um, songs by, by John Borrowman and the Atrix or a whole lot of the, 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 the kind of explosion of new wave and punk bands that came around the time, DC9 and all these people, the radiators from space, um, they were all making things that, that if you took away the music, 
you could you would have to consider it as poetry, yeah. sometimes good poetry. Uh, and in fact, a lot of those people had literary leanings. Um, Phil Linnett is in here as well. Phil Linnett published two books of poems and, and saw himself as a poet before he became a songwriter as such. And that line between poet and songwriter, I mean, is one that we could fight about here forever. You only have to name Bob Dylan and this whole idea whether Dylan should ever be seriously considered as a poet because he has put things on vinyl. Sure, it's a nonsense, really. It's the whole you debate, know. that whole debate, our song lyrics, poetry. Yeah, we're, we're, get, we're, we're getting lost in the idea <laughs> that the medium is the genre. It's yes, not. The medium yeah. is just a way of, of, yeah. of, of, of bringing it to a, to a readership or a listenership or a, a ship, yeah. in a sense, you know, yeah. setting it afloat. Um, but when, so when you hear songs sung very often, the words can get slightly lost. Mm, yeah. But when you see the songs that are in the book, mm. that's when you really see the words. Yeah, I've never seen it. or really concentrated on the words of Dicey Riley. Mm. And yet it's, you know, it's a very common song. Mm. We've all sung it in pubs. Yeah. But when you see the words written down, you can really see what the, the poem is, what the song is about. Yes, yeah. And that was another great part of the series too. We were able to get local traditional singers in mm. to give okay. their interpretations yeah. of the, the songs as well. Uh, Maureen, to go back to yourself, just talking about the, the vibrancy that does seem to be Darren Poetry at the moment, what he always was, but what, what kind of projects are going on at the moment and would you be involved in at the moment? I know Poetry Allowed to Schools was one of them. Sure, yeah, we have a huge education programme, so we mentioned the Writers and Schools programme, so in any year we're kind of engaging with about 35,000 children, both primary and secondary school. Uh, the Poetry Allowed, the students from the Poetry Allowed uh, competition, in fact, feature on the RT programme the, uh, on the works last week. So they've been very active. Um, we're also involved in a new series of readings at Books Upstairs, which is relocating to a new a new premises on Delir Street. But then we work nationwide. We're very much a 32 county organisation. So we work with organisations from, say, the Lyric Theatre in Belfast down to Listowel Writers Week and covering the whole country in between as much as we can. And uh, we recently had, we had another um, success uh, with the special issue of Poetry Ireland Review, which was a special on Seamus Heaney. So um, that, that was a great seller for us before Christmas. And we have a new literary pamphlet called Trumpet, which we bring out four times a year. Um, and then in general, I guess we just try and look after our poets and cherish them and, and meet their needs. Yeah, And actually one of the things in terms of where it might move in the future is, I thought Paul Amin made a very good point in that programme we were talking about, um, the, the idea of the multicultural aspect now that's mm. coming into Ireland you know that the, the future Irish poets may have a very different vision or version of what we've had up to now Absolutely yeah in Poetry Aloud it's very interesting <coughs> to see um, children who for whom English is not their first language and to see them interpret those poems it's absolutely amazing yeah. it's really a hard well, stop I, I, I um, or, uh, you know we published a, a book an anthology about five years ago called Landing Places Immigrant Poets in Ireland, edited by Borbala Farago, who's a Hungarian academic, and Eva Burke, who's a German-born, uh, long-time Irish-based poet. And there were poets from 40-something countries who were then living in Dublin and writing. The, the, the prerequisite was they had to be writing in English. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting anthology. But one of the interesting things about it is that the, the, the experience that they're writing about is usually the, either the experience of where they've come from or how they get here. And and there's a there's a kind of a time lapse has to a time a time period has to elapse mm. before one starts to make the poems about the life that one is living in 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 that kind of yeah. transition whether it's a difficult or an easy transition um, and I think what'll be really interesting is to see when that book or a book like that happens in five years yeah. from now yeah. and then we get a real record of 
of of how and where it's happening. It's already it's already happening in the singer songwriter circuit. There's mm-hmm. a phrase you don't say too many times in one <laughs> sentence but it's already happening here that the, the songs are already doing it and maybe sometimes the songs are slightly ahead of the poem yeah. because they're, maybe they're some way a little bit less self-conscious as well. They happen with other people mm-hmm. whereas you have to probably withdraw a little bit from the world to make a poem so it's more, yeah. it's more uh, prefigured if you like. And, and being an editor in Daedalus Press presumably you get a lot of people sending in their work is... Yeah. Absolutely, that's 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 part of the yeah. the challenge, and sometimes the horror, and sometimes the delight, but but that's just the way it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you live for you live for the excitement of it. Yeah. Um, like like most things, I mean, let's not put rose tinted glasses. Like most things, uh, most of what all of us produce, myself included, is not great. Um, but that's not to say that there's not great things out there, and that one shouldn't um, try to. Uh, enable and encourage mm-hmm. um, because I think there's th- that sense of, of you just have to take a jump and a leap. If you're a creative person and you sit down in front of the piano and you bang around, most days you're just going to amuse yourself. But every now and then you're going to get something and something in you recognises that this is bigger than you mm-hmm. and it can go further. You know? And and unless you, you're communicating that to, to kids as young as Maureen's writers and schools are and to people who are retired like the Bialtana group who have been producing in this area for years uh, unless you're keeping that those doors wide open mm. you're not doing a, a much of a service to the to the community you know yeah. um, if I was to ask yourself Jane I know where you're very ensconced in the new book at the moment but maybe looking back on this book was there any we talked about that first month of promotion I, I do remember the, the, the presence of the book in terms of the media and seeing it everywhere but um, any particular memories really stand out for you from the whole campaign at the time? Well, there are quite a few, but I think the uh, standout memory, and in fact it would be a career high for me, would be the event in the concert hall uh, in memory of Seamus Heaney. Yeah. Uh, Maureen programmed that, and it was a joint Dublin City Council Poetry Ireland commemoration of Seamus, Seamus's work and his life. And that was an evening you know, not to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president was there, um, but there were it, it, the event sold out in no time because uh, you know sort of that horrible expression the man on the street wanted to be there yeah. and so many people took part wholeheartedly uh, I mean I think you could have had three times as number the number of people taking part because they just wanted to be there as part of that tribute to Seamus mm. and you know RTE covered it went out as a news item on six o'clock news nine o'clock news live from the venue it's not often you get. Um, an event like a literary event yeah. like that but that was a tribute to Seamus and um, Seamus knew that a poetry book was going to be part of uh, was going to be one city one book and I'm sure he would have taken part himself if he had lived and it was just so appropriate that we were able to have the, the National Poetry the National Poetry Organisation and the city in which he lived having a tribute to him in the month that poetry was being celebrated all over the city yeah and Pat, if I ask you that question, the man behind the book, if you like, was there any one, one or two memories really stood out in the whole process? There were both big things and small things. <coughs> the, the, the kind of the launch in the GPO was you couldn't not be moved at that. I mean, you put poets in the GPO, you're looking for trouble. <laughs> Maybe. Um, uh, uh, get your retaliation in first. I think that phrase was made for that uh, occasion. <laughs> But it was just a very moving uh, occasion and the, um, the, and the GPO people on post were fantastically um, open and welcoming hosts. 
but but it also goes from that kind of sense of the the almost grand uh, occasion to the very small things like people sending in emails mm. of their poems. I've been receiving them all year long, uh, and poems. By, my cousin wrote a poem, and so and so wrote a poem, and here's a song, and you know that's been going on all the time. It, there's a whole kind of um, kind of a conversation, mm. a background conversation that's been going on about this book. Yes, uh, which which is really interesting, and and conversations with people like yourself who are saying, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect of this. And, you know, they're 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 the they're the the shots of electricity or whatever. <laughs> if you want something stronger yourself. Well, you know, it's you know, working when you're reaching well, it. You, you do, <laughs> but, but it is about it is about connecting. Yeah. It, it is, you know, the, 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 the poets, the calling to, to, to making poems can seem to be a more solitary one than making uh, fiction for the simple reason, as I said at the at the outset, that poetry is a kind of a slow fuse, and you don't uh, it, the poems often don't connect with an audience in the poet's own time for whatever reason. That's it. There's an historical weight on them. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of somebody like Emily Dickinson, and she's writing all these poems and putting them in bows, and they're going in the bottom drawer, and a handful appearing in her time, and a hundred years later, she's considered to be one of the major mm-hmm. English language poets. You know, you either want huge belief in yourself. Or you want to be <laughs> a little yeah. bit left of yourself at yeah. all times. So it is it is extraordinary that the project connected with people and connected with people from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that I despair now or that I think it's over. I think it's kind of it's 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 moved back into the usual rhythms. Yeah, yeah. But they're they're accommodating rhythms as well. And that's not to say that it won't be rediscovered by people this summer or next summer or next Easter or a St. Patrick's Day or who knows when. If I can just say thank you to our guests, Pat Boren, editor of Deadless Press, Jane Algar, director of One City, One Book and Maureen Kennelly, director of Poetry Ireland. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on If Ever You Go, a Northside Dublin perspective, our exploration of the north side of Dublin through poetry and song. And many thanks to all the guests who featured in this programme. For further information on this series, check out nearfm.ie forward slash if ever you go serious. If ever you go to Dublin town in a hundred years or so, inquire for me in Baggett Street and what I was like to know. He was a queer one, followed it a light He was a queer one and I'll tell you. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.